Hello, Pod Rishner. Thanks for listening to the Antioch Dallas Sermon Podcast. I'm here with Pastor Joe. Pastor Joe, how was this Sunday? This Sunday was special. <laughs> yes, it was. It was a Sunday. Who did we hear from today? Uh, we heard from our worship pastor, Jeremy West. Pastor Jeremy West. Yeah, Jeremy preached on community. Uh, his points were very simple, very simple. Show up, don't lie, speak the truth. That's a little preview for you. We hope you enjoy today's message. And man, if you're not in a life group yet, we want you to get in the life group. Why should someone join a life group, Joe? Well, uh, there's several reasons. I actually did an Instagram uh, scroll on life group is family, life group is mission, life group is life, life group is friendship. So on and on the list goes. Um, Food. Can't forget that. So life group is awesome. Life group is awesome. So jump in one, check out our website. You can see actually a map of groups that are open that you can jump into. We hope you enjoy today's message. And with that, thanks for listening. Peace. All right. Good morning. Good morning to everyone. Good to see you. My name is Jeremy West. I'm one of the pastors here. Thank you. It's still dark in here, so I don't know who you are, but I love you. You're my friend. Uh, Yeah, it's a good day. It's good to be with you guys. Again, my name is Jeremy. I'm the worship pastor here uh, at Antioch, Dallas, and I like the Cowboys, and they're going to win. That's all. That's my intro. Uh, it's good to be with you guys. Yeah. So last week, Donnie uh, Martin, or <laughs> his name's not Donnie Martin, Donnie Tapey, shared with us about community, and we're going to continue with that this morning. But I got a good little story for you. When I was in the sixth grade, uh, I grew up in Garland, uh, which is just down the road, went to Webb Middle School. And uh, anyways, in the sixth grade, I was like really blessed. This is a favor of God in my life that I had sideburns. <laughs> and I was developing facial hair in the sixth grade, and that's kind of that season, you know, where it's like some have it, some don't, and just God chose to bless me, and I had it. And so in the sixth grade, man, you're really proud of sideburns. So you wear them, you like, I mean, it's just like as far down as they can go. It doesn't matter if it looks good or not. It's just like as far down as they can go. And so that that was my life, and also, my dad, uh, this is a kind of a side, but my dad is the king of life hacks. You know, this is like a new term now. It's like where you can like, you know, do cool things with a spatula besides flipping eggs. You know, like you, I don't know what you do with spatula. I mean, you just like make stuff up. Duct tape, lots of duct tape, lots of uh, foam rubber and uh, epoxy or whatever. And you just make cool things and you make it work. My dad brought bean bags, like the ones that you sit in, the big ones, to our baseball games growing up. I mean, like, everyone else had their lawn chair. My dad had a beanbag, okay? So he just didn't care. And that was actually him, the first video in Houston, and he was going like this. I don't know if you caught it. Anyways, slide back through that at another point. So he's king of life hacks, and one of the ways he decided to do life hacks was with our haircuts. And um, he didn't do them himself. He did that one time. And, uh, and then there was no more. But we went to this place, this barber shop on Garland Road across from Garland High School. It was a barber shop uh, run by a 75-year-old man. It was a $4 haircut. I mean, $4 haircut, 
I, I don't even know if they used scissors there. It was just the buzzer, right? You know, I mean, it was a straight-up barber haircut. You had to go at the right time. They didn't have hours. It was basically like he's cutting hair whenever he's not at the horse races gambling. That, that was like legitimately their hours, right? So you'd show up. Okay, okay, I think they're open, and they'd cut your hair and talk about horses and racing the whole time. Or you'd show up, and it's like, okay, they're at the horse races today. So no haircut. So I, I, I walk in. I got my sideburns. I'm getting my flat top haircut, really cool and all that. And I tell them, I'm like, man, do not cut my sideburns. Just leave them. Please leave them. And he was like, okay, they're sunny. And this is the kind of uh, haircut place where back in the 90s, a uh, popular haircut was a chili bowl. So th- th- at this place, they actually put a bowl on your head and just like cut around it, like no joke. Um, anyway, so I tell him, please leave my sideburns. We get in the haircut. He's buzzing, 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 buzzing. Boom just cuts them off. And I'm not talking about like a little, I'm talking about up high, like high and tight, like so high that you could tell that that part of my head had not received sunlight for a while. You know, it was like tan everywhere else. And up there, it was white, like white, 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 white. And so I, as soon as he did it, I was like, no, Uh, sixth grade, right? Your life's over at that point. And so he was like, I was like, man, don't cut. I, I told you not to cut it. And this is what he said. He's like, oh, there's honey. We'll get him next time. Don't worry. We'll get him next time. I was like, it's not what you say to a sixth grader. Because there might not be a next time. Like, I'm a, my life is going to be over when I go to school. Crazy. Uh, but I remember a couple months later getting another haircut there. And my mom took me. And uh, so I get the haircut. I think he left sideburns. Praise God. All that. I remember walking out of this, this barbershop to our car, and I, I was 12 years old, sixth grader, and I remember distinctly something that my mom said to me. She said, Jeremy, you are so handsome. You, you could go, oh, like that, whatever. <laughs> it, and if you see pictures of me in the sixth grade or seventh grade or eighth grade, you'd go, she was lying. <laughs> <laughs> Because I did all sorts of crazy stuff with my hair and whatever. I, I bleached it more times than I can count. I was like, looked like the lost member of NSYNC or Backstreet Boys. <laughs> it was terrible. And, um, but I remember that distinctly. I mean, just like, oh, I'm, I'm handsome. And I can't tell you why. Well, I, I think I can because words are powerful, right? And words coming from your parents, your mom, it's powerful. And, um, and even though it wasn't maybe true, like in the natural realm, um, she called me up into something. Okay. And I, I think one of the reasons why I don't have hair now is because God was like, dude, let me just help you. You have, you've done so many bad things with your hair. I'm just going to remove this temptation from your life (laughs) and we'll just move on. Oh man. But as a sixth grader, man, hearing that, that word, man, you're handsome, I'm telling you, was significant to me. And I, I bet you can look back on different words spoken to you, both positive and negative, that have impacted you. You remember those kinds of moments. The reality is, is that we live in a world that's cutthroat, merciless. I mean, it's like no mercy. It's eat or be eaten, survival of the fittest. Like that, it's just 
that's just the world that we live in. Get on top, make more money, be in control, have the power, like be liked more than everyone else, have more friends, have more that like, it's just this climb, right? It's a climb to the top, king of the mountain. And that is the world that we live in. And so the natural reaction for, for that for any human being would be that we'd be afraid, insecure, afraid of being overlooked, of, of being, uh, you know, ignored, of being lonely, of not being enough, of being put down, of being uncovered, of being unnoticed. The list goes on and on and on. And that's a, a, a reaction. And we could feel tossed back and forth by waves of the world, by the winds of our culture. Um, and maybe you just feel stuck in fear and insecurity and just kind of go down that, that spiral path. Or you say, you know what, forget all that. I'm going to be better. And your life is just trying to prove everyone else wrong. Right. And just, I'm going to work hard and do, you know, strive, 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 strive. I'm going to be on top. I'm going to, you know, it doesn't matter who I hurt in the process. Like I'm going to be, you know, they're going to know, you know, and, and we can live in both of those worlds. And part of the problem is that, that being in that, that world and, and responding in those ways just makes it worse, right? Just, it, it makes the spiral worse. Um, and the fight to get what we want to get to the top, we can make things worse by hurting others around us. Um, and it leads to deeper insecurity. So we're all reaching out and I think striving, looking for, grasping at some kind of hope, some kind of refuge, some kind of encouragement, some kind of life out there. And I, I, I want to share something with you this morning that I, that I found that it may be the answer uh, for you this morning. So I have a video. You can watch it. Next time you're feeling down, feeling that no one really gets you, or you're just wanting to hear some encouraging words, well, there's a solution. You can have what you want. You can do it. The finish line is closer than you think. The Cheers to You CD is eight tracks filled with encouragement and cheering applause. It's even been featured on the Ellen DeGeneres Show. We're on your side. We're here for you. We believe in you. Guarantee you'll be feeling better about yourself and your life, or we'll give you your money back. Call 1 877 545 6715 now to order the Cheers to You CD, and you'll also receive three puzzle shaped affirmative tokens. One says, I am courageous. Another, I am unstoppable. And the third, without me, the puzzle is incomplete. Together, all these items normally sell for $35, but right now you can get them for only $24.95. Call now, and don't forget. Wow. <clears throat> so we, we got a bunch of those out in the foyer. You can get one after the service. The fact that there's a market for that should tell us something, right? And as hilarious as that is, when I saw the first time, I was like, man, that's crazy. And, and maybe if you, if you have one of those, uh, there's a next steps card in front. You grab it, fill out the life group deal because we're going, there's a better option. Okay. Uh, that's obviously the joke, but as hilarious as that is, I want to encourage, I want to highlight this. It's something about that speaks to something here, right? That there's a part of us that we're going, but, but yeah, it would be nice to have some encouragement. Those, those things, you know, hooray for you or what, like, it would be nice if someone said that it would be nice to have someone in my life that would speak those things. 
And the reality is, is that I have like good news for you this morning. I have really, really good news for you that in the midst of this journey where I guess, you know, if you're anything like me, you feel that tug and pull in life like this, and there's a desire for affirmation, a desire for encouragement, a desire to be called up, a desire to have life spoken into you by other people, that there is good news. There is solid ground. There is a place where you can be reminded of who you are and called up into what God has called you to be. Now, the good news first is this. His name's Jesus. His name is Jesus. He's the solid rock you can stand on. He's the refuge that you can run to. I, I, I saw another video that was like, the guy says, that's my king. That's what I feel like doing right now. I mean, he's, he's the bread of life. He's hope when you're hopeless. He's confidence. He is our confidence and our peace. He is our righteousness. He is the refuge, the anchor of our soul, the fountain of living water, the bread of life. We have an enemy that stands before God. He's called the accuser of the brethren. His name's Satan. That's what his job is, is he accuses you before God. And he accuses you in your own heart. And he, other people may come and agree with him. And speak those same things. That's what the enemy does. He's the accuser of the brethren. And Jesus, he's your brother as well. And, it, and this is what he does. He stands before the Father and makes intercession for us. That he came and died and has covered us with his blood so that we could be made new. So that we could have hope. We could have a future. We could have confidence in him. And he speaks a different word. In Hebrews it says that that. He speaks a better word than in the uh, blood of Abel, right? It's like this is a better word. What Jesus speaks over you, his name is the word. And when God spoke to you, guess what he said? Jesus. And all that comes with him. And when the accuser stands before God, says, this person's worthless sinner, piece of whatever, Jesus says, I'd like to present some evidence to the court. My blood. And over and over again, Father, look, they're not, they're not that anymore. They're new creation, right? When you see them, you see me because I've covered them. That is the hope that we have. We have his spirit inside of us. If you're a believer in Jesus, you have the spirit of God inside of you. Galatians, it says that the spirit of God cries out, Abba, Father, I'm loved, I'm accepted. That's good news. Now, I want to read a couple of scriptures this morning for us from Hebrews chapter 10. So grab your Bible, phone, iPad, whatever you use. Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19. We're going to look at a couple of verses this morning and then look at some in Ephesians 4 as well. Verse 19, it says this, therefore, therefore what? Therefore, since Jesus has come, he's saved, he's healed, he's restored, he's good, all of those things. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence, turn to your neighbor and say confidence, to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he has opened for us through that curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, since all that, what, 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 what do we do? Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. 
Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. This is amazing. And this is good news, that Jesus is our refuge. Jesus is our hope, that we have a place to run. In the midst of this world, it's called the presence of God. And he has made the way for us to come with confidence, to come boldly. He is our refuge. But not only that, Jesus came, and and in coming, one of the things that he has done is he has created a family. And he has created a people, the church, a people for his own possession, that he has ordained to help us live this thing out. And so check it out, the very next verse. I mean, we go from like, we're covered in the blood of Jesus. He's made us new. We have this great hope. And the next verse is this. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Jesus has created a people for himself. And you and I get to be members of that family. But the challenge here is that we got to show up. (laughs) You just show up. And here in this uh, passage, the writer of Hebrews is, is saying, hey, don't, don't neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some. There were people that were saying, you know what, man, I'm just I'm good with Jesus. I prayed this prayer, sang this song. I've got a playlist on my iPhone I can listen to. I'm good. I don't need to go. I don't need to be present. I don't need to show up. And he's saying, the writer said, no, you got to show up. Don't neglect to meet together. Show up. Be there. Be present. And what, what happens when you're there is that you get stirred up for love and good works. And the second thing is we encourage one another. That's what happens with the people of God. That's what the people of God are called to be. That's who we're called to be. We show up and you're encouraged. You're built up and you're encouraging someone else. Let me speak to this uh, idea of showing up. I remember uh, growing up, uh, in my family, my parents are awesome, godly people. They, they're part of this church. Um, I'm so thankful, and I want to honor them. I'm so, so thankful for their consistency with the people of God. I mean, I know more of their journey now. They had every reason to be offended, every reason to give up, every reason to not show up. I mean, they had three kids. Uh, under the age of five. I mean, that's, I mean, there's just a lot going on. And the consistency of them to show up has radically changed my life. And here's how it's because now at 33 years old, I have more spiritual fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters who have spoken into my life in the midst of a culture that's just tear you down. I have so many people in my life that can look me in the eye and say, Jeremy, you're a man of God. Jeremy, you're full of the Holy Spirit. Jeremy, you're loved and accepted. I'm so proud of you. Hooray for you. (laughs) I was like real human beings that can do that. 
because of the choice that my parents made to just show up, to just be present. And that's instilled now by the grace of God in me, that value that I just need to show up. Just need to, to be there. I need the people of God that he has put in my life to be able to look me in the eye and just speak truth and life to me. It's so significant. And I have all these people now that have affirmed and called out my identity in Christ because my parents were faithful to show up. It wasn't legalistic. It was, it was life. It was what mattered. And I have a couple of distinct memories because it wasn't always easy. It, it wasn't always easy at all. Um, when I was five years old, I remember uh, going to our life group in my pajamas and coming home in my pajamas. That was just how I, like, that's how we rolled. And we had this old Aerostar van. And my dad, who's the king of life hacks, had taken out all the back seats, found some foam rubber somewhere on the side of the road, and put it, laid it down back there in the back, and made a pallet. And I remember consistently, we'd go, be in my pajamas, and then at some point, we'd get back in the van, we'd lay down, we'd fall asleep. Before we got home, they'd carry us into our bed. And that was... A, a, a rhythm. And as I got older in my teens, it was not pajamas. It was baseball uniforms. We'd show up in a baseball uniform because we'd leave practice early to, to be there, to be present. Or we'd uh, go straight from our, our community group to, to uh, baseball practice or a game or whatever. It was because it mattered, because it was important. I want to encourage you for the parents that are in the room and those that will be parents, start this value now because by the grace of God, my wife and I, we, we were committed to this like when we were getting married, right? We, we actually had vows in our wedding. We did vows to one another and we did vows to the body of Christ where we said, we're going to show up. We're going to be there. Come whatever, we're going to, we're going to be a part um, because we need this. Um, parents, I'm going to speak to you just for a second. I mean, it's, it's messy, right? I got three kids under the age of six. Like, we show up to life group, and, and we're having, like, discussion, or actually, like, they're having discussion, and I'm, like, hearing screaming kids, and I'm being pulled in there to change a diaper and clean up, throw up, and try to keep them calm, and then we get in the car, and we, my wife and I look at each other, and we're just like, what happened? <laughs> like, what? What did? Okay, all right. Well, I guess we're going home now, you know, and the kids are in the pajamas, and it was like, that was life group tonight. That was great. Okay? You may not get anything out of it, but I'm telling you, the consistency of you showing up will allow people to know your kids. And my prayer and my desire and my hope is when Jaira is 16 and he's wrestling with what it means to be a man, and, and in that journey, that he's not, well, I guess, what, dad, but he's going, I can talk to Ryan, I can talk to David, I can talk to Clint, I can talk to Zach, to Donnie, to Joe, because I have spiritual fathers and mothers in my life, because when I was five, my parents showed up. Whew, get me going. You need the same. Keep showing up. But not just showing up. The Apostle Paul in, in Ephesians 4, which we're going to look at, he gives us another encouragement or challenge 
in this journey. It's, it's, don't, don't just show up, but show up and don't lie. <laughs> show up and don't be fake. Don't lie. Speak the truth. And one of the practical outworkings of that is through encouragement. It's through encouragement. We're, we're confessing our sin, but we're also being built up through encouragement. And we're getting to be a voice of encouragement and speaking life into other people. So in Ephesians, the book, the first three chapters, he's just hammering on this idea. Man, this is who you are. This is what Christ has done. You're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You're blessed with every spiritual blessing. You're a new creation. God's de- destroyed the wall of hostility and made one new man. His, uh, his spirit of, abides in you. You can know the love of Christ, the height, the depth, the width of the, the love of Christ, and goes on and on and on. And then chapter four hits, and he starts to put some feet to the journey, some feet to what it looks like. And I want to look at that just for a few minutes. How, do we, how does this play out? How does the church help us in this journey of identity, purpose, calling, and affirmation? Verse 11 It says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. I love this. Jesus has given to the church people to equip everybody so that everybody can do what? For the building up of the body of Christ. Until we all attain unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, but rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. I want to read that last part. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. I'd heard that ver- verse uh, several times, and it was kind of always associated with like a rebuke, right? Like you got to go and tell someone like, all the things they're doing wrong, and uh, just remember to love them. <laughs> you know, like, hey, man, you just, you're, you're so far off, and da 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 hey, I love you. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> all right, speak the truth in love, man, you know. And, uh, and, and, and that's good and all, and there's a, there's a room and a place for rebuke and correction. Well, I think this is deeper than that. The, 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 there's a deeper component than that. It's that there's a truth about Every person in the body of Christ is that you're a new creation. That you're loved by God. That you're fearfully and wonderfully made. That you have a calling. That you have a purpose. That you have a destiny. That you have spiritual gifts. That you have a personality designed by God to be used to bless and minister to other people. And the people of God, one of the practices that's supposed to happen when we gather, when we show up, is we don't lie, we speak the truth. Joe, this is who you are. You are pure. You are righteous. You are holy. I'm so proud of you. The speaking the truth in love, calling forth the redemptive nature of each person in the body of Christ. We all usually know where we've fallen short. And, and when we don't, someone usually tells us that. But what's often neglected 
is someone telling us who we really are, who we really are. Because verse 22, he's going to say, he's going to continue in this. He says, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. This is a reminder of the gospel. The new has come. The old is gone, but we're still on the journey of putting off and putting on, putting off and putting on. And one of the ways that that happens, the putting off and the putting on, is when someone else can look you in the eye and say, this is who you are. In Christ, when I was in college, the first life group that I, I joined was led by a guy named Rance and a guy named Nick, who was Donnie's, Tapey's uh, older brother. I remember showing up, and man, I was wrestling with all sorts of stuff, legalism, fear, and performance, and the list goes on. And I remember showing up, and one, one week, there was just one question. They looked me in the eye, they looked us in the eye, and they said, hey, Jeremy, are you righteous? And I was like, mm-hmm. thinking through my week, thinking through the last month. I was like, kind of. <laughs> that was my answer, kind of. He asked again, he said, are you righteous? I was like, well, sort of, kind of, I don't know. And they said, let's look at it. And we pulled open a verse that says, you know, he who made him to be sin so that in Christ we could be the righteousness of God. He said, you're righteous right now. Don't, th- don't think about what you did last night or the week before. Because you're in Christ, you are righteous. A couple weeks later, I remember meeting with Nick at an ice cream shop, and I, I was just like undone. And I said, man, I get it. I'm righteous. And one of the things that it broken off in me in that moment was all that legalism and that fear and that performance. Because I stopped trying to be righteous And I got revelation, as it says here, renewed in the spirit of my mind because a brother looked at me and said, you're righteous. That's what the word of God says. And it rocked me in legalism and performance and fear of man and this unhealthy, even like fear of God that was like, God's going to crush me if I do something wrong. It, It just started to fade because someone looked at me and said, Man, here's what the word of God says. Here's what God has said about you. You're righteous. And guess what started happening? I started living righteously more and more from a renewed nature. Verse 25 says, therefore, having put away falsehood, that word falsehood, it's actually translated the lie. Not a lie or lies, but the lie. The lie over your life, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. This isn't just talking about not lying to people. It's much deeper than that. It's about calling out who others are in Christ. 
No, my bro, you are, you are talking like you're believing the lie right now. When we speak the truth to you, it's that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. That he has made you a new creation. You are pure because he is pure. And as he is, so are we in this world. So, dude, the porn thing is like, you're pure. Now, you can walk in it. God will give you strength to walk in it. As we see one another differently, as Christ sees us and we speak accordingly. So, show up. Don't lie. Speak the truth. That's life group. <laughs> That's community in a nutshell. That's the family of God. Show up. Don't lie. Speak the truth. Show up. Don't lie. Speak the truth. Verse 29, he goes on. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. The fact that corrupting, that talk, our talk could be corrupting. It ought to sober us. And then the next part, but only such is good for building up. Building up is always the goal. The fact that my speech could build someone else up is like an immense privilege, an immense honor that God would use me to speak words to you that would build up your faith so that you could walk more like Jesus. And he's given every single one of us that same ability but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. I love it. The Holy Spirit gets excited when people show up to do this. The grieving comes when, when we don't. But when people gather in the name of Jesus... They show up and they start speaking the truth to one another. Hey, this is who you are. This is what God has done for you. This is the gospel. You're not that. You're this. Walk in this. And as you do that, the Holy Spirit's just like, that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) And it gives grace to those who hear that everyone gets built up when one person gets built up. Like when one person gets built up, everyone gets built up. And it gives grace. Grace is the power of God to do the will of God. So as we speak life to one another, man, it gives grace. It's like when I speak truth to Zach, it gives, the Holy Spirit gives power for him to now do the will of God. Gives him grace. I can give grace. It's not like grace, like kindness and some kind of, like whatever, it's like, like spiritual power that the Holy Spirit imparts as we speak life to one another, as we speak the truth in love. So show up, don't lie, speak the truth. So where does the rubber meet the road for us? Um, I mean, practically wouldn't help keep this from just being another message. And I've got two things. I'm going to just submit them to you. You can do them. You can not do them. But I promise you if, you, if you do, you won't, re- won't regret it, okay? Whether you're a young single working your first job, you're a married couple with four kids, you're uh, older and your kids are out of the home, empty nester, wherever, college student, wherever you are, I promise you, if you walk forward in these things that we've been talking about, you, you will not regret it. But 
couple of practical things. One would be commit to a life group. Commit, connect, and commit to a life group. If you're not connected to a life group, I mean, this is like small groups that in our church where we meet, we show up to speak the truth and encourage each other. That's like, that's what it was really all about. Commit and connect to a life group. So you can fill out one of the cards. As Joe said, we want to get you connected to a life group. And if you're a part of one, commit to it. Show up. Just make it like, this is who I am. This is who we're going to be. Talk to your spouse about it. Like, let's do this. I'm going to show up. Commit all the way. And then two is to commit to encourage others. What would happen this week (laughs) if everyone in this room sent three text messages of encouragement to another person in this room? That would be like powerful. We'd probably come back next Sunday going like, come on, let's get worship started. I'm ready. This is exciting. Because we need encouragement, but God has called you to be an encourager. And often the biggest source or the the main source of of discouragement is the lack of intentional encouragement. You're going to get discouraged by if you just turn on the TV or listen to the radio or probably show up to work tomorrow, there's going to be some kind of discouragement come your way. And we, as the people of God, are called to be encouragers. And so show up, and show up ready to encourage someone to speak truth to them. That's who we want to be. I want to invite you into this scripture, into this journey that God has for us. What if you had a few friends that consistently showed up for you? that consistently encouraged you and built you up, would that impact you? Absolutely, it would. What if your family, what if your kids had people in their life that showed up to encourage them and to call them forth into the things of God? Would that be meaningful? Absolutely, it would. And here's the invitation, is that you get to be that person for somebody And God has put people and he's ordained people to be in your life to be encouragement to you. If this message spoke to you, if God's doing something in your life, I'd love for you to send us an email and let us know. You can do that by just hitting reply on any of the emails you get from us. Wait, what's that? You don't get emails from us. Oh man, why don't you go to our website and you can sign up for our community newsletter. Once a week, you'll get updates on what's going on, what God is doing in our midst, and we would love for you to be a part. Uh, If you've enjoyed this series of podcasts, love for you to go on iTunes and leave a review. It helps other people find out uh, about this stuff. Love you guys, and we'll see you next week.